We are the tide from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating all rivals never gets old. Making our way to the big sky conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. Welcome back, Mighty Vandals, to Tubbs at the Club, the home of the Little Brown Stein, and also the Idaho Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I am your host, Dallas Hammer, but you guys probably already knew that. Joined today by producer, seducer, Martin Heemstra. Hello. All right. Flying out of the gate here. Also joining us today, freshly returning from Tubbs on location in Missoula, Brian Marceau. It's great to be back, dudes. Great to be back to talk about a uh, ranked team in addition to our top five opponent. Sorry, I thought you were going to uh, just jump right into explaining how you're, you reacted to the Montana game. Sorry. Jesus Christ. That was going to be my just dropping the ball to you to react. We're doing this earlier than normal, guys, so we're all over the map. Usually, like, I'm on the couch trying to sleep before the show at this point, um, or maybe doing intravenous drugs. I don't know. Maybe both. Uh, so, Brian, tell us what you thought about the game in Missoula that you haven't had a chance to react to yet. Okay. Uh, by the way, there's there's nothing better than diving right into amateur hour the moment the show starts. So it's been Dallas's turn to deliver that for a while. I do it via mute. Uh, Martin has done it via cursing and other uh, expletives of sorts. So Dallas, welcome to the club. So my, my time is in Missoula. Obviously, if you haven't listened to Dallas and Martin's reaction, do it. They hit all the main points. Uh, but a couple things I want to touch on quickly. First, look, the game was sold out. Energy in Missoula was just kick-ass. Uh, the Grizz fans that I ran into, all of them were friendly. And I expect that's going to change sometime because now that Idaho's winning games, Idaho is going to quit becoming a, you know, kind of a good story for teams in Missoula, teams around the big sky. Where Idaho is going to become a team people just don't want to play and a team people get sick of. But energy was great. Um, the game itself was in the stadium. It felt it, it felt real close the whole time. Even when Idaho was up 14, I lost, I lost my voice at the towards the end of the fourth quarter, screaming at the field game over after Rashawn Johnson got his, his touch, his one yard touchdown that made it 14 point game. By the way, that was what made the game over. Um, the, the thing that stood out to me other than what Dallas and Martin talked about, this coaching matchup was the official old school, new school matchup. Bobby Hawk being one of the most successful big sky coaches in you know big sky history, hardcore old school, hardcore committed to the system over players. You know, a guy who says like, Hey, if everyone does their role, the system works. This is just how it works. Jason Eck, uh, of course, not quite the same. He's been open about being flexible, reacting to what, to the matchups that work best. Their, the disciplinary focus both coaches have is, again, another contrast, old school, new school. And the new school beat the shit out of the old school in Missoula. The one one thing that stood out to me, and our look, our newest team member, Josh Grissom, talked about it in his weekly column on Tubs of Club website. By the way, Josh Grissom, former Lewiston 
Tribune beat reporter. He's joined the Tubbs team. He's got to do some weekly columns after games. So uh, check out his stuff. We've, we shared it, but it's on the website. So Montana has a Buck Buchanan finalist at cornerback. His name's Justin Ford. And because Bobby Houck is Bobby Houck, he is rigid about not changing what Montana does. And Jason Eck, who doesn't care as long as Idaho wins, is willing to, is of course flexible with who lines up where, what plays are called. For the entire game, Buck, Buck Buchanan Award nominee, All-American last year, cornerback Justin Ford, is lined up on Idaho's tight ends while Jermaine Jackson and Hayden Hatton assault the safeties like we talked about last week with Coulter and just tear apart the Montana secondary. But Bobby Houck will not move his best corner to try to stop one of those guys. And that was, to me, that was the synecdoche of the game of, look, if Bobby Houck has all this talent and won't, cha- won't change what he's doing defensively, won't try to become more aggressive in the passing game until there's no choice. You know what? That's called getting out class, man. Uh, the, the talk about Idaho now amongst the Big Sky and talk about Jason Eck. Well, talk about Idaho is now is clearly uh, not joking top five Big Sky team. But two, it, Jason Eck has already reputationally understood it's like a top three coach in the Big Sky. And the last point I want to get on before I throw it back to Dallas. Dallas and I both picked against Idaho heading into against Montana. We both picked a close game. Now, part of my math here is Idaho beat the hell out of three bad teams heading into the Montana game, which is that was a schedule. You do what you do. It was hard to know how to interpret the early good losses to Washington State and Indiana because for many FCS teams, a good showing against an FBS team doesn't necessarily translate into anything later in the year. For example, last year, NAU beat Arizona, Pac-12 Arizona. And look, NAU is just not a good team, and they continue to not be a good team after that. This Montana game, where Idaho, Idaho not only took punches, but gave a ton, had Montana reeling, especially after that onside kick in the second half. This game told me, look, the interpretation of those two first two FBS games is that that's just who Idaho is. This is just a good team. And to me, that means at this point, not just in predicting the team, but in projecting what type of performance we get in different facets of the game. We need to quit talking about this potential of what Idaho might be if things come together. Idaho's just good. And for me, my discussion from this point is going to change to follow from the point that Idaho is good. And what kind of performance do good, not just big sky, I mean, nationally good. Idaho's number 17 now. They should be easily top 15 at worst. Some people have them in individual polls, top 10. But that, to me, this Montana game, that's what it was representative of is we know for a fact now this team is just good. We have to talk that way. Yeah, and for anybody that's watching the show, you can see Coach Eck dunking on me on Twitter. Uh, for anybody who has not been on social media or is not watching along live, uh, I tweeted a message that essentially said, hey, in year one of, of Jason Eck, Vandal football finally got the little brown stein. Way to go. Love this school. Love this team. Go Vandals. And Eck responded with four words to me, stop picking against us. So hand up. That's my bad. I did not know how to project Idaho. I have damn near 30 years of PTSD from vandals just ripping my heart out and then shitting down their pants every time they walked on a football field. It was tough to to separate the new regime from the old regime. So this is my declaration. I'm going to ruin what little journalistic integrity we have. I will not pick against Idaho until they lose another game. Every game that they win... I will pick them next week. So Portland State, 
you got real lucky. I know you're top five, but spoiler alert, I'm going to pick Idaho this week, no matter what. Anyways, well, it hey, is last, absolutely last thing. Last thing. And look, I'm not trying to rehash social media stuff, but like the point Jason Eck in my mind is getting to is you're not wrong to say the future of Vandal football is bright. The present's bright, guys. We're, we now have to talk about, look, we're going to get to the actual game, guys. But if you run through the schedule, you should predict Idaho making the playoffs now. Idaho's going to be favored in every single game except the Sacramento State game. That's it. So the like the potential we all see in the future, yeah, it's there. It's here right now. Absolutely. Absolutely it is. That's burying the lead on, on Portland State further. Realistically, guys, Brian's not kidding. If you look at the schedule, Idaho will be favored to win every single game except Sac State. And that's that's obviously going to be one of the, the battles of the year in the honestly in the entire country. But Idaho, Idaho looks like it they are damn well poised to make a playoff game. So get your tickets and go support this team, please. I beg of you. If there's anything to gain from, from listening to us, it's that you need to find a way to make it to Moscow. Obviously, we have listeners on the whole other side of the country. I'm not necessarily talking to you. Um, I, Captain, I'd love to see, see you get out. I'd love to see some more guys get out to Moscow, but I know that there's people just not near us. It's it's just it's difficult to get to Moscow. But if you live in Idaho, if you live in Washington, Oregon, somewhere around where you can make a day trip to Moscow, you need to get there. It's Blackout the Dome Week. They're selling tickets for $17 for the rest of the night. So if you're listening to this on podcast services, you've missed that opportunity. But it's Blackout the Dome, Portland State. Brian, you feel like you had something to say. Oh, yeah. If you're listening live right now, guys, and you don't have your tickets, just open another tab. Uh, go to govandals.com backslash tickets. And until midnight, so it's Tuesday we're recording. So until midnight, Tuesday slash 12 a.m. Wednesday, tickets are only 17 bucks. I bring this up, guys, because... Look, a lot of people who are watching the show already buy tickets, but we certainly have heard discussion before and had it sent to us about, hey, tickets still feel kind of expensive. 17 bucks for a ticket, man. That's as cheap as it's going to get. We're a good team. You will not find good teams who sell tickets for 17 bucks, let alone less than 17 bucks. My ticket to go see Montana was with processing fees, fees, 55 bucks for each one, which look, some people that's not in the cards, whatever. But if $17 is in the cards for you, please Feel free, go grab your tickets, guys. This is a this is a screaming deal. The athletic department, by the way, is listening to some of the concerns people have about try, about why they might not be getting to the dome, and they're doing what they can. When people do what we when people and institutions do what we want them to do, if you can, you gotta reward them for it. Grab your tickets if you don't have them. All right, we're twelve minutes into the show. Let's actually talk about what's going on this week. Obviously, Idaho has the little brown stein. That's all we really care about. But the terrifying top five big sky program, Portland State Vikings, are coming to the Kibbe Dome. Uh, top five Portland State, currently two and four on the year, uh, wins over NAU and Lincoln, somebody or other that honestly, I have no fucking idea what they are. We think they're D2. We have no idea. Their website is atrocious. Google doesn't help. Nobody knows, nobody cares. What I'm getting at, Portland State, realistically, one win anybody cares about. They beat NAU. They lost to Montana 53-16, to and they lost to Weber State 42-7. to So really stretching the limits of that top five program there. 
Uh, we're talking head coach Bruce Barnum uh, at Coach Barnum sixty nine on Twitter, and I'm pretty sure that's the only reason he's still the coach there because he does have a decent social media presence. He's twenty eight and forty seven overall. He is in his eighth season in charge, so this is a team that you know what you're going to get with them. Uh, the offense is based in eleven personnel. Uh, we'll get into that. Defense has a bunch of different looks. Interestingly enough, um, they alternate between like a 3-3-5, a 4-2-5. Realistically, they have one end that will stand up or go hand down. Their fifth DB actually can serve as a linebacker as well, so they can go 4-3. Like they, they're very multiple in their defense, which you'd think would make it better, but when you do multiple things really poorly, you end up being Portland State. This is a team that's loaded with seniors, Brian. They should be considerably better than they are. Almost every single member of the two-deep is a senior. There's a couple juniors, a couple sophomores, a couple freshmen, but realistically... Next year's Portland State team will look completely different than this one because almost everybody that plays meaningful minutes is not going to be there next year. Offensively, 21.5 points a game. They're 10th in scoring in the Big Sky Conference. Last in yards with 314 yards a game. Defensively, slightly better. They allow 33.5 points a game, which is good enough for the 8th best defense in the conference. They are 7th best in yards given up with 419.5. So we're talking statistically, this is a mediocre to bad football team brian i'm gonna let you start us off what about this dog shit team do you even want to talk about well honestly there's only one thing in my mind that's even kind of interesting about portland state this is a team that is one of the worst rushing teams in the big sky and that's there look the bottom of the big sky has some pretty bad rushing teams Portland State's right there. The only factor that you might say is an X factor in this game on the Portland State side is quarterback Dante Sachere. He's a dual threat quarterback. And I bring that up because Sachere is the only running threat Portland State has. He's an all right passer. He looks better against zones. He isn't the most accurate guy, but he's certainly not close to the worst quarterback in the league. Uh, there's moments where, you know, because he can take off, he'll have designed runs end because he can just take off and make something out of nothing. He can be exciting at times, but Portland state and big sky play is averaging 19 points a game. Uh, there's a reason they're averaging 19 points a game. Bruce Barnum is not a dude who slows it down. Nick just covered the average 19 points a game. They can't run, which means this team is going to pass a decent amount, which means they're not that good at it. But if Portland state's going to threaten, at least on the offensive end of the field, it's going to be because Dante Sachere is able to find holes that other quarterbacks have not been able to find against Idaho. So basically what you've heard from us so far is me saying all the statistical reasons why this team sucks. Brian saying, hey, their quarterback's decent, but as Brian mentioned, he's a two-threat guy. He's he's literally the only person that runs the ball there. Uh, former Boise State running back Andrew Van Buren started out as their running back one this season and then was ended up, uh, he was replaced halfway through the year with uh, Jelani McGee. Van Buren has 118 yards in four games and McGee has 150 yards in six games. No other running back or rusher on their team has more than 40 yards. This team cannot run the football. The only person that can run is the quarterback. So in, in big sky play, Sachere is averaging 151 passing yards per game. Not that impressive. Uh, that's fewer than Jake Dunaway, who splits time at, Sac at Sacramento State. But Sachere also rushes for 61 yards per game. So that's what I mean. Dual threat. But I mean, Portland State just... So far, now they have played a couple good big sky teams. So maybe throw that in and say their stats are not 100% indicative of who they are. Uh, but offensively, this team is just not uh, dynamic the way one might think. A team that 
passes much better than it runs can be. So from the offensive end, and because Idaho is a good defensive team, we just saw that with what the effort Idaho had against Montana. Look, Montana could not run against Idaho whatsoever. Idaho actually has the best uh, rushing defense in the big sky right now, uh, giving up under 80 yards per game, which you can assume you can reasonably extrapolate at this point. Well, if Idaho can stop most teams from rushing, we can probably top team stop a team that sucks from rushing. Uh, the que- the other question will be, okay, well, are there any factor X factors for Portland state on the defensive side of the ball? Cause if the Portland state's competitive, this is going to have to be a low scoring game. Brian, you also neglected to mention defensively, Idaho is the second best passing defense in the conference. When you're looking at the conference stats, Overall, Idaho does allow less yards than anybody else. So they are averaging uh, 265 yards a game. Only defense in the, the conference under 300 yards yeah. a game. I do want to call out Captain 58 real quick. Uh, mentioned at the very start of the, the show, Tubbs crew, walk me off this ledge. In the PP years, a win like Saturday's would be followed by a terrible loss. Tell me that Eck and Co. are going to have the team ready to rock and roll against PSU. First off, I don't know if PP truly would have had a win like this Um, with emotion and the rivalry. I truly don't know if PP was ever capable of truly winning a game like that. I think being in the Sun Belt really helped him in the fact that there were no real rivalries. You're flying halfway across the country to play a bunch of teams. Nobody's really heard of, but the stat I want to bring up that makes me feel much better about this. We are currently on pace to see this year's Idaho Vandal squad be the first team this century Yes, this century to average more points a game than their opponents. Even in the years Idaho won the 2009 Bowl and the 2016 Bowl, Idaho averaged less points a game than their opponents because they were getting blown out in all of their losses. Not happening this year. Idaho currently averaging 32 points a game, opponents being held to 23 points a game. Obviously, there's some decimal points on there, but realistically, Idaho 32 opponent 23 that is the average right now yes that's propped up a little bit with drake but even if you take that game out idaho is still scoring more than their opponents just on average game to game because they're they're losing games close they're blowing out bad teams they're sticking it to good teams captain do not panic this feels like a completely different era of vandal football but i want to give captain another reason because we, we've actually captain might not be aware of this We've already seen what a bad half of Idaho football looks like. That was first half against Northern Colorado. Defensive effort was incredibly undisciplined. Uh, Northern Colorado had openings almost universally because Idaho blew coverage. Idaho has since responded against Montana. We didn't see any of those issues with blown coverage and freelancing. So the reason I bring that up is, well, Captain, how'd you feel about watching Idaho against Northern Colorado in the first half? You're like, you're probably a little anxious, but uh, look, first off, they righted that ship, obviously. Second, they've had four quarters past that of riding the ship. But last, even when the team wasn't playing as well as they need to, well, because this team is good, that means it was around a tie or it was a, a early deficit, but that was it. So that's why I'm not concerned about this game because I already know what a not great Idaho effort looks like. Look at Northern Colorado in the first half and the team responded. Uh, the other reason is I accept the Paul Petrino PTSD, but dudes, we got to let him go. Petrino's gone. He's doing a shitty job at a different school now. Uh, our, our coaching staff is clearly one of the best coaching staffs in the big sky. 
it's just not the same anymore. We're probably going to see some stuff this game that we didn't see in Montana. For example, hey, those penalties have been a pain in the ass for a few games. Those are gone. Like, I mean, hey, we might see something like that. We'll see. But that's why I'm not anxious, man. It's new. It's a new staff. It's a good staff. So uh, I'll quit keeping the, the talk away from Portland State at this point. But uh, Dallas and I have put in time uh, being critical of when things are not going well for Idaho sports. So, look, if you're going to – I think you should – take our tone right now and our confidence of look, we we're guys who are looking for things to go wrong and we're both pretty damn happy and pretty content with this ride right now. Couldn't have said it better myself, Brian, you guys know that I am probably the most negative person you listen to on a frequent basis. And if I'm saying I believe in this team, I think everybody should believe in this team because I will admit that I have a tendency to be too negative at times. That is a problem. I have a tendency to get clapped back at by coaches on Twitter because of my negativity. Shit happens. Back to Portland State, there is one group that is kind of scary. However, keep in mind, Idaho, second best passing defense in the conference so far. Uh, The receiving room in Portland State is about the one place that is stacked with talent that could truly play at a bunch of other schools here. Uh, Bo Kelly, second team, all big sky last year. He's a senior. He leads them with 363 yards. Uh, that's 10th in the big sky conference. He's got 26 catches and two touchdowns, uh, across from him. Honorable mention last year, uh, sophomore Nate Bennett. He has 32 receptions, which is fifth in the conference for 334 yards. He doesn't have any touchdowns, but those two guys are the guys that get the bulk of the work. And again, they've been honored in the past for being all conference talents. Beyond that, then things things kind of get a little weird. Uh, Emmanuel Dagby was all big sky receiver and a returner in 2019, and then they didn't play in spring 2021. Dagby missed the fall last year with an injury. He played three games this year, 10 receptions, 66 yards, and hasn't played since. So one of their best talents on the offense, not playing. We don't believe he's going to be playing this game. Don't believe he's going to play again this game, or ex- this year, excuse me. And then... He's been replaced by Matayo Talali Motu. I think I nailed that. Uh, he has 11 receptions for 220 yards and six touchdowns, which is asinine. The guy has 11 catches and six of them are for touchdowns. So if they get close near the goal line, that's probably the guy they're going to throw it to. But outside of that, that that is their offense, guys. We have just we have just covered their offense. Their starting tight end, Anthony Rodriguez, has one catch for seven yards. They trot out backup running backs and receivers at tight end and get nothing. Uh, Senior McLean Griffin is listed as a receiver. Even on their depth chart, he's listed as a receiver. And then in their starter notes, he's started a couple games at tight end. Seven receptions for 90 yards. This is not a year that Portland State is going to be putting a whole lot of fear in the Vandals. Uh, The one weird thing is their offensive line is pretty stacked. But Brian, do you see any reason to be concerned with this offense? Not not really. Look, this is a team that put up 16 points against Montana and Montana fans felt that Portland State looked good early and that account for 16 points. Uh, you just we just saw Idaho look good uh, defensively for look again. If you for after that northern Colorado rough first half, Idaho defensively looked pretty good for six consecutive quarters. We've got the stats to back to back that up as well. So. I mean, to me, there's a reason why I think if Portland State's going to be competitive, this is going to be a low-scoring game. 
Uh, and it's going to have to be because Portland State's able to force some turnovers uh, because just offensively, this is not an explosive team. They're averaging under 20 points a game in big sky play. Uh, this is not a team that other than when they're playing God knows who uh, they, they just don't. They just don't put the ball in the end zone, even in their good game against San Jose State earlier in the season. And Portland State, that's actually a great example earlier. I was talking about, hey, what do close, big, good losses mean against FPS teams? Well, the Portland State close loss against San Jose State is looking like it doesn't really mean anything. And that was also a game that is probably the best offensive game Portland State had. And Portland State offensively, that's part of why they didn't win is the offense pissed away the game at the end. Exactly, which is really weird. Um, and, and honestly, I, I don't want to speculate about another program that I admittedly don't follow. feels like this has to be the end of the line for, for Bruce Barnum. Their offensive line brought back four returning starters from last year. Uh, last year's left guard, center, right guard, and right tackle are all back. The right tackle is now playing left tackle. Their right tackle transferred in from a junior college. They have possibly the most experienced line in the conference because every single guy started last year and they, they can't do anything. They're just, they just can't score. Uh, again, as, as Brian mentioned, 17 points against San Jose state couldn't just couldn't score at the end to win it. Six points at Washington, 16 points at Montana. They did put up 35 on NAU at homecoming. They put up 48 against Lincoln, which again, they lost to Whitworth as Patty mentioned in the comments, Whitworth for anybody that doesn't know, D3 private school here in Spokane. They are good at football, but it's also D3. You put that team up against Idaho and they get boat raced worse than Simon Fraser did. Well, and look, the recipe for Portland State against NAU, which that was a 35-27 win for Portland State, which Portland State tried very hard to lose that game in the fourth quarter, surrendering 20 points to Lumberjacks. The recipe was Sachere passes for 274 yards on 20, 28 attempts and then rushes for 128 yards on 12 attempts. So of the 470-so yards Portland State accrued that game, 479, over 400 were Sachere, which is why I'm just not worried about this team because if their one explosive outing is, yeah, if their quarterback accounts for – 400 yards and four touchdowns. They can be competitive. Okay. I don't think he looks like a dude who could do that against a team like Idaho or a team. He certainly didn't do it against Montana. He certainly didn't do it against Weber state. It's a dude who's able to beat up on some of the shittier teams in the conference, which, I mean, we've seen other guys who put up stats like that. Cal Poly puts up some good yardage numbers against bad teams. Uh, Sachere looks like he's there to me. This is the final week. Portland state gets to be kind of interesting. And uh, if, if Portland State cannot beat Idaho, which I, spoiler alert, don't think they really can, they're going to fall back this year into that huge swath of just not good teams at the bottom of the big sky. Uh, a loss here to me is what just nails in the coffin that that's who Portland State is, where they early in the year they are understood as an okay team in the middle. I don't think they're a middle team. I think they're one of the more talented bad teams. So for Portland State to be competitive, it's going to be more about Idaho mistakes that keep Portland State in the game, which is why, to me, uh, the defensive side of Portland State is the slightly more interesting part, not because Idaho turns the ball over, but because if this game is going to be competitive, it's going to be because Portland State's going to be able to force turnovers. Yeah, exactly. And the interesting thing is it starts with somebody with a Vandal connection, actually. Uh, San Jose State's defensive line, they have VJ Malo. He's the guy that's been all big sky before. But this year... They have a San Jose State transfer, EJ Ane. He's actually Mike Ayupati's nephew. And if you go Google EJ Ane, it's E-J-A-N-E. 
if you Google him, you can actually see the resemblance. He he definitely looks like he probably belongs in Ayupati's family. Uh, he leads the team with 27 tackles. He's got three sacks, which is tied for seventh in the big sky. He's fourth on their team with four tackles for loss. He's their probably best player at the moment. And then VJ Mala, who I mentioned, he was all big sky second team last year. He's got seven tackles for loss. He's got three quarterback hurries, just one sack. But those are kind of your edge rushers that are expected to, to make an impact. Those are the guys that hopefully for them, have a good game hopefully for idaho neither guy gets a tackle and it's 100 to zero uh they've got a couple other guys jake porter and moses finau who both play on the line both guys have a couple sacks and some pass breakups and their 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 front seven is okay ish um but the big thing is that parker mckenna he was a starting middle linebacker last year started all 11 games as a true freshman sophomore this year played three games got hurt hasn't played since He's still seventh on the team in tackles after just three games. So it felt to me, like looking into Portland State, it felt kind of like if Idaho had lost Trey Walker or one of the Ellis's in the last few years, where it's just like, oh, that's just that's that's really tough. They obviously don't have the depth to come back from that. Um, anybody else on the defensive, uh, maybe the front seven or really anywhere on the defense you want to go with this, Brian? I mean, not a ton. Portland State is the in Big Sky play. They're the number seven pass defense. They're the number nine rush defense, uh, which you know those are those are indicative of a team that is not like catastrophically terrible. But there's a reason Portland State. Like, if you guys can't tell by the tone, um, to me, this is one of the least interesting Portland State teams in a while. Uh, honestly, Dallas. The point that I'm more interested in is you referenced uh, end of line for Barnum. The answer there is like he'll probably play out his contract and then become the offensive coordinator for Bobby Houck at Montana. So, I mean, that part's kind of interesting. But this Portland State team is, I mean, they've honestly, they've looked, they looked okay week one. Then they narrowly beat a bad Northern Arizona team where they needed a, a big sky player of the week level performance from Sasha Ray uh, to narrowly hold on to that game. So they're just, when I factor in that Idaho was a good team, that's why I'm not that interested, and maybe that's the pivot to talking about what Idaho needs to do. Uh, I'm done. Uh, so here's what Idaho needs to do. They need to throw it all over the secondary. The secondary is not um, not particularly strong. Uh, anybody that remembers our Big Sky Conference preview, we spoke very highly about Anthony Adams, possibly the best defensive player in the FCS, certainly the best cornerback in the FCS, a guy that looked like he had day two prospect written all over him for the NFL draft. He got two games in and injured his ankle, won't be playing the rest of the season. Um, so they now have a true freshman, Ezreal Vazquez, starting in his place. They do have a senior on the other side, uh, Isaiah Avery, who transferred in from Liberty. He has 14 tackles and interception. They freshman kid has one pass breakup the secondary is the weakest part of an already fairly weak team uh they do have a couple safeties that are more downhill tacklers um leading the team or co-leading the team with 27 and 26 tackles uh but that this is this is what idaho's got to do it's tough in the wake of hearing Tres trainer is not likely to play the rest of the season jordan dwyer might not be coming back but when you have hayden hatton put up a player of the week in the entire country type of game this is what idaho should be feasting on uh running the ball will probably succeed because again portland state not particularly good but what i'm looking to see here is idaho open it up just a little bit 
score early, score often, break off giant chunk plays, and hopefully do kind of what they did last year where they put Portland State away at halftime. I'm just expecting that, or maybe I'm expecting that the Vandals will actually come out for the second half this year and like last year. Uh, do not do not expect this to be a close game. This is this is a a team that is so much more talented than Portland State. The coaching staff is obviously so much better than Portland State's. If you guys want to go to the dome and watch Idaho just destroy somebody, this is the time. Obviously, we said that about Northern Colorado and they scored more than we expected, but it was still a blowout. This is going to be another one of those games. So I, I guess my question for you there is I know why you're referencing the past game because one, it was successful against Montana. And two, as the season's progressed, it looks like the coaching staff has more and more confidence in Giovanni McCoy, which of course they should. In FCS games, he's been incredible. Uh, Accuracy-wise, he's over 70% against FCS teams. Finally threw a pick against Montana. But that's, hey, that's an un-FCS pick. Uh, actually, first interception, I believe he's thrown since the WSU game uh, when he threw an interception to close that game. Uh, the reason I bring this up is Idaho as a team this year, look, I just, uh, our crack stat team, meaning my calculator, uh, just calculated that Idaho has rushed, uh, Idaho passes 30, 39.6% of time, so like 40% of time. So the pass rush ratio is Idaho's going to run about three out of every five plays, 60%. We're going to pass about two, two out of every five. That has, of course, varied game to game. But even in a game like against Montana, where Idaho, for all things Idaho did well, running the ball was not something Idaho was able to do at all against Montana, minus like two rushes. This team's clearly committed to the run. They're clearly committed to milking the clock against Montana once again, just like in NAU, the time of possession is 42 minutes for Idaho, 18 for Montana. So I don't disagree with what you're talking about past game. But I also expect Portland State's going to be going to feel pretty dang easy to rush against relative to what Idaho's used to. Idaho per game, their per rush numbers are not top in the big sky, but Eck is pretty steady about committing to the run and also intermixing rush and pass plays. So I, I guess my angle is one, I'm actually not worried about stress trainer being gone because he's been gone essentially the whole season and Idaho's been fine. You wish you had him. But Idaho's passing fine without Therese Trainer. Uh, we also saw Zach Borsch hit, hit the field a little bit more against Montana. Maybe he'll start to get receptions at some point. He mostly blocked this game. But two, I expect X focus is going to be kind of punishing Portland State on the ground a bit more. Uh, and we're going to see, you know, healthy dose of uh, Anthony Woods. Roshan didn't get as many rushes against Montana. But look, we have that three-headed monster. We have that three-person committee running back of Rashawn, of Anthony Woods, number one. And then two or three kind of seems to rotate between Rashawn Johnson and Eli Cummings. Um, I expect, honestly, that's where I expect to see the biggest difference is um, Idaho getting some chunk plays on the ground, which then open up for longer to intermediate passes, uh, which Giovanni McCoy has been just pretty damn good this year. I think we're, we're both on the same page, Brian. You're thinking run to set up the pass. I'm thinking pass to set up the run. We're both expecting, I think, a lot of running in this game. I hope to see Idaho throw four touchdowns in the first quarter and a half and then just run it from there on out and just destroy them. I think we're mostly on the same page here that, look, Portland State's just not very good, guys. There's not a whole lot of things that are particularly interesting about them. They're a mediocre to bad team that's just stuck in neutral. Not a ton about this team that that really 
really screams upset here. This is just a, a bad team that feels like they're going through the motions. Um, I think a lot of people probably said the same thing about Idaho last year. It just feels like it's time. It's time for a change there. They're probably not going to have a Jason Eck come in and save that program. So thoughts and prayers to the 10 people that support Portland State, but it is what it is. Yeah, I got to hit what you're saying really quick, though, about Giovanni McCoy and and the passing game. Like, you're not – I was reacting to, hey, this is what I think Idaho's going to do. But, look, you're not wrong. Idaho's offensive passing efficiency is – one. its rating is 199.5, which is 40 points higher than the next closest team, Montana State. He's thrown one pick in Big Sky play, 82.9 completion percentage in three Big Sky games. So, like, you're right. And Idaho's passing game has been very efficient. Uh, it's also been interesting because it's a the the play calling per game has been pretty different. It's like against Montana, Idaho was willing to take some longer stabs uh, a, a bit more. Not that we've been throwing dink and dunks at all, because Idaho doesn't do that. Idaho just does rushes instead of those. But Idaho aggressively attacked secondary for longer passes against like Northern Colorado. What we saw more was those intermediate passes that, with yards after catch, could stretch to to longer plays. Um, but I guess it's hard. It's hard to stress how, even though Idaho is clearly a rush first team, uh, that setup has been great for the passing games. It's easily the top rated passing game in the big sky. Hell, the, the Grizzfan podcast is already trying to plant the seed of, Hey, McCoy's got to go to some bigger program next. Right. They're doing that because Idaho looks pretty damn good passing the ball enough that as a fan, I'm not going to complain about style points, but I wouldn't mind if Idaho took, if Idaho continues to show more, more and more trust with McCoy to win portions of the game for them. But even then, this is probably, while we're talking about this as the uneducated fans that are just hoping to see some fun in the game, this could absolutely be a game where the Vandals run it 65 times and just walk over the Portland State defense. Uh, tough to predict Tough to predict. other than, look, we just don't think Portland State's going to have any answers for Idaho. This is the turning point, guys. This is the turning point where I talk really nicely and positively about Idaho football from here on out because it has been proven, probably was proven earlier, but I was stubborn. This is a good team. This is a good team playing a bad team. And when you have a coach and coaching staff that know what they're doing, good teams don't typically lose to bad teams. I know that's a tough concept for most Vandal fans to grasp because we've never seen that before. But this is this is just the, this is the type of team that you would just expect to go in there and win. And that's, it's, it's, it's a nice feeling to have. Yeah. This is the type of game where if it's close, it's because Idaho's making mistakes. We haven't seen this year, the type of mistakes. There's no reason to project at this point. Yeah. As, uh, as Tom Kendall mentioning in the chat, not trying to look past the PSU game. The next week at Sac state is the barometer for, is this a good team? I would even argue is Idaho, if Idaho doesn't look past Portland state, that is an indication of, of being a good team. This is like the, this is exactly what Montana just did last week. They looked past Idaho, at least that's what Bobby Houck tried to play it off as. Uh, they looked past Idaho, they got punched in the teeth, spit a couple out, and lost the Stein. As long as Idaho doesn't fall prey to the same exact thing, and I think we've already had the trap game. I think Northern Colorado was that trap game. Here we go. We we could be talking about a conference championship here in a couple of weeks, guys. Well, we are on path. That's the stakes for Idaho, really, is Idaho on paper. They're on paper, they're going to be favored to finish seven and one in the big sky. Obviously, the games have to be played for that to matter, but 
um, an Idaho win here. That's five FCS wins. That means that March towards the playoffs is getting very close to just done. And the question is, can Idaho sneak a seed out of this season? Got to go week by week, but look, getting to five wins this week would tie the highest number of wins Idaho's had since rejoining the big sky, but it'd be the highest number D one wins because in all the previous seasons that were normal seasons, Idaho had a D two game that doesn't matter. So just like turnover wise, Idaho's well past last year's terrible barometer. Um, we're about to Jason Eck can take Idaho to places. They have not been win wise since rejoining the big sky. There's still four games left. So yeah, look, not trying to look past Portland state because beating the shit out of Portland state, getting some style points. Idaho's at the point where you kind of got to do that to climb up the rankings and to pump up that resume to potentially get a buy because seven and one in the big sky, eight D one wins buy isn't guaranteed. But buy is absolutely on the table with enough quality wins. Yeah, guys, this is this is going to be the weird point in the season where we're talking about like, yes, Idaho State is the rivalry game. Yes, Idaho should go in there and beat the crap out of them. But the discussion that week, assuming Idaho takes care of business the next four weeks, the discussion is going to be how many points does Idaho have to win by to get a seed? These are the kinds of discussions that we are going to be having now rather than okay, how many more wins does Idaho have to have to try to get into the playoffs? That discussion is just about over. One more win, say Idaho wins this weekend, Idaho's now at five wins. Realistically, you look at the rest of the schedule, playoffs are already on the table. We're truly talking about can they win the conference, can they get a bye in week one of of the Eck era. Brian, we're at 42 minutes into this. We've already stopped talking about Portland State because, again, guys, there's just not a lot here. They're just kind of there. They're they're like the Jaguars had been before Urban Meyer. Like they're just kind of there. Well, and then obviously the year before Urban Meyer, but there, there's like a seven year stretch there where the Jags were pretty bad, but not the worst team in the NFL. This is kind of what Portland State is to the Big Sky right now. They're just, they're not the worst, but nobody really cares about them. They're just kind of sitting there. So Brian, do you have any last thoughts about Portland State, or would you rather us just shut up and move on? Let's do score predictions. Oh boy. This is a great question. Martin, would you like to start us off with your score prediction? Sure. I think it's going to be very similar to the Drake game. I probably something like 45, 17. So I'm looking at, as a comparison, Portland state puts up 16 points at Montana, puts up seven points hosting Weber state. I think Idaho's defense is somewhere is somewhere around that Montana to Weber state level right now. So I'm going to stick with Martin 17 points. I'm going to say 42, 17 Idaho. I really desperately want to say 69 points for Idaho, just because it's funny against a guy with coach Barnum 69 and Brian is already shaking his head at this stupid joke. Uh, no, I'm not, I'm not really going to go with that, but I, I do think this is, if Idaho's going to put up a 50 burger, I think this is, I think this is it. Uh, all right, we're doing it. We're going to go 52-14 Idaho. Projecting a 50-burger for, for Idaho this weekend. We're doing it. All right. Slightly less optimistic than Jalen Drake's 80-12 to pick. 
uh, of Idaho. Yeah, we're, we're still paying attention to the comment section. Bart Holt says 40 Idaho to PSU. Jason Mayer, 48 to 9 Idaho. Max, one of our favorite post grad, my favorite grad, God, he's a postdoc student, uh, picks Idaho 45 to 10. Uh, yeah, look, a lot. the jury's in right now. People are feeling stoked, and they should be because this team's only had good performances. I think we have an ad read. Yeah, Tom Kendall, 44-17. Patty Frerks, 42-20. Bart Holt, it was actually 52, or excuse me, 40-25. to Kurt Borchardt, 52-17. Cap Dan, 42-21. Sean Foster, 62-18. The list goes on, guys. If you're hanging out with us on YouTube, thank you for throwing in your score predictions. We do see them, and we see that all of you agree. Idaho going to pulverize Portland State this weekend. That takes us to the ad read. If you are looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation, do not look past your backyard. Hughes River Expeditions has been vandal-owned and operated since 1976 and are ready to take you on the vacation of a lifetime. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the Middle Fork of the Salmon, the Main Salmon River of No Return, the Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway. Check out special trips like one to see the Perseid Meteor Shower, camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, and fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the entire country. Just bring your clothes, let HRE handle the rest. Grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the Gem State. Call now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. Gentlemen, that takes us to the Big Sky Pickums. Brian, I'm just going to say what our records are because your hubris last week destroyed our our perfect weeks or however many perfect weeks you'd said we'd had. I'm blaming that on you. Brian and I are 51 and 5. Martin, we don't even know anymore. We just know that Martin beat us last week. Martin went 5 and 1 because Martin is the only person here that believed in Idaho over Montana. So Martin, we're going to go to you first. The Battle of the Little Domes, NAU versus ISU. Ragel's rolling, Idaho State. Brian, you're muted. I was so ready to not screw that up. I even typed out that I was going to hammer that unmute button. God damn it. Um, I blame this on Dallas because even though our record, we Dallas and I finally lost two games. We're both 51 we're 51 and five. We're picking at 91%. That counts OOC. So yeah, we're going to lose a couple. And Patty, glad you like that. So Idaho State has their number two quarterback, Hunter Hayes, back. Which uh, that's a big deal for Idaho State because Idaho State with their number three quarterback is terrible. I think the magic is over in uh, in Pocatello. I think they got their win. I'm glad the uh, Bengals picked up their win. But uh, look, I think Northern Arizona is just a a little bit better than Idaho state, not a ton. Uh, Idaho state is not particularly strong in any facet of the game. And as far as overall, like scoring Idaho state's been pretty damn bad on the season. So this is one of the few games where Northern Arizona gets to look a little bit more competent. Uh, Northern Arizona, RJ Martinez might have one of his games where we think he's okay again. It's weird. Poca hell hole has been a, a happening place the last couple of weeks. They didn't let Montana destroy them. They somehow beat Cal Poly. However, I think this is just a, these are two bad teams playing against each other and it's which one sucks worse. Idaho state always sucks worse. I got to pick NAU in a very close one here. Uh, shout out to rack of tits 69. Fuck Holt arena. They should have burned that place down and started over. 
Completely agree. That's what happens when you get rid of the porno dome seats. Everybody just wants to burn it down. Next, this might be the game of the week, guys. Weber State at Montana State. Uh, I'm going to go with the fighting Nick Webers or Weber State. I'm going to go with Weber State as well. Montana has starting quarterback Tommy Malott back. And look, Malott is good. But I, I just don't think he's as good for that that team as Sean Chambers. Running back room is getting a little more healthy in Montana State as well. Lane Sumner's back. But Weber State is just a different team this year. Weber State can score uh, both, and they can move the ball both on the ground and through the air. It's still the same strong Weber State defense, top three in the big sky. Um, I just believe in Weber State as a team. If Weber State's going to score like they have for half a season, guys, at some point we have to accept it. They've had multiple 40-point games. Weaver's just good as a, as a team, so I'm picking the Wildcats. I meant to call this out. Most of our commenters picking the little brother Idaho State over NAU today. Uh, a couple different folks with NAU, but most of the commentary, ISU. Back to Weber State, Montana State. I got to agree. We got to make this three for three here. Weber State, I think Weber State is the best team in this conference. Uh, until they play Idaho and lose to Idaho, then that will change. But right now, Weber State's resume is impressive. And if anybody's going to knock Montana State off from last year's Northern, uh, National Championship game run, I think Weber State's the team to do it. Uh, Jay Hill finally let somebody else take control of the offense. And Bronson Barron looks like one hell of a quarterback in, in the Mickey mental system. Yeah, so, the, the number four overall Big Sky offense in co- conference play and the number three overall defense in conference play. So, like, there just isn't a, a glaring weakness on this Weber State team. Exactly. And Jay Hill's special teams units have usually been pretty solid. Unspectacular in certain areas, but pretty solid. Got to go with Weber State in this one. That takes us to another game of the week. UC Davis at Northern Colorado. That was sarcasm for anybody that couldn't see my face. <laughs> I... For a quick second, I thought, do I go cocky and go Northern Colorado? But no, UC Davis should hopefully win this one. Yeah, UC Davis is now in a role of schedule of scheduling where last week the Aggies beat Northern Arizona and they get the triumphant of they get uh, U- Northern Colorado, Idaho State, Cal Poly in their next few games. So Weber State is going to get up to five wins heading into Idaho where that that'll be Idaho's chance to slam the door shut on UC Davis playoff run. But um, look, UC Davis has been pretty surprisingly strong moving the ball. They have the number two overall offense, not scoring offense, number two overall in yardage offense, in the big sky. And um, yeah, I just don't think Northern Colorado is going to be able to do much. I think Northern Colorado, it, they had their big win by having another solid half against Montana state and then getting their ass kicked the second half. And I, I just, I just, Look, you listen to my power rankings. You know I put the misery ranking for Northern Colorado at negative five. So, yeah, I'm picking Davis. Uh, the comment section, Weber State at Montana State, pretty split on that one. Not so much on this one, and I have to agree. You see Davis by a mile. There's just – even even if it was just a, a fist fight between coaches, I would take Dan Hawkins in a heartbeat over, over Ed McCaffrey. Um, I think it's more interesting – I think – Northern Colorado is more interesting if you talk about what role is Dylan McCaffrey going to have when he graduates. I think that's the only interesting thing about Northern Colorado at this point. That takes us to Montana at Sacramento State. Another actual potential game of the week here, guys. Even without my blatant homerism, I still would probably pick Sacramento State in this one. 
This to me is so damn interesting because Sacramento State, they've been blitzing teams, 20 touchdowns in three big sky games, 570 yards per game. In particular, Sac State on the ground is just punishing teams, 314.7 yards per game, 5.9 yards per rush, 12 rushing touchdowns. But bring that up because Montana, look, Mon- we are everyone saw Montana lose to a close game to a good Idaho team. Montana against the rush is surrendering two yards per rush. So it's a strength on strength matchup on, on the Sac state rushing the ball. They're a better rushing team than they are passing team. And Montana has been better than anyone in the conference at stopping the run. Idaho couldn't touch Montana rushing the ball, but Montana looked like such a damn mess on the offensive side of the ball. The weakness of stack Sac state's defense is a secondary. And that means Bobby Hawk's going to have to call a different game than he wants to call. So as much as part of me wants to not pick against Montana to lose back to back, I just don't think, I think Bobby Howe's going to be flexible on the offensive side of the ball in the way he's not going to be. So I'm going to pick Sac State largely picking once again, a coaching matchup of new school. Troy Taylor is going to be flexible in a way that old school Bobby Hawk won't. So Sac State. Uh, Brian took the words out of my mouth. I do not believe in Bobby Hawk. Um, I think that there's a small fan, small portion of the Montana fan base that don't don't believe in Bobby Houck anymore either. Um, I think that that might be a little bit unfounded in the way that they are. There are some people that truly think that he has peaked and that they will never truly compete for titles with Houck in the second term. I don't know if that's quite the case, but I do not think that that Houck can outcoach anybody younger than him at this point. I think Eck obviously showed Houck how much better of a coach he is. I think Troy Taylor is going to do the same exact thing. Uh, Got to go with Sac State. It's going to be close, but I'm going to take Sac State in this one. Uh, you, of course, mean anyone younger who like doesn't suck at coaching, just as the caveat. Yes, sorry. Uh, I mean, Paul Petrino might have been younger than him. I, I mean, the younger guys, the like the the fresher, decent coaches. I just I don't yeah. see the old school mentality matching up with with guys that play more modern football. Yeah, because Bobby Houck's good, but you're saying you think Montana's hit a ceiling, and part of the ceiling is because of Bobby Houck. There's a podcast that uh, I sometimes listen to, Big Sky Podcast Network, that doesn't disagree. Exactly. That takes us to the Bo Baldwin Bowl, Eastern at Cal Poly. <sighs> Maybe not a game of the week, but two teams that desperately, desperately, desperately need a win. I... I'm uh, I, I'm gonna think I'm gonna go Eastern. I think they pick up their second one of the year. This isn't very close for me. I think Eastern Eastern has the number fifty nine schedule in the nation that counts FBS teams. Uh, Eastern has just been murder, and they have not looked terrible against some of the very good teams they played. Cal Poly cannot stop the run whatsoever. They cannot stop the pass whatsoever. Yes, Cal Poly is the number one passing team in the big sky, but Eastern's going to have no trouble moving the ball. It might be closer for a half because Eastern's not a great defensive team, but it's a weakness. The issue for Cal Poly is they're not going to be able to exploit Eastern on the ground. They will through the air, but it's just not going to be enough. Eastern's going to win. I expect Gunnar Talkington to have another video game kind of stat line like he did week one. Uh, just because the match from Cal Poly is gone. Plus their freshman quarterback who looked good first couple weeks, Jane Jones, finally got confirmation. He's a dual threat guy, <clears throat> looks very good. He's out for the season with a blown knee. So Spencer Brash, who is fine, but not as good, 
he's the dude who's leading the charge for him. Kind of like Portland State, Cal Poly's rush attack it was their quarterback. Well, they don't have that anymore. So it's just too one-dimensional, can't stop anyone. The comment section on the Montana at Sac State game, pretty split here. Uh, not so much on this game. Eastern, their record is awful. They've beaten a D2 team and lost every other game so far. But they have played Murderer's Row. Uh, They'd be an FCS I mean, team. Was it an FCS team? Yes, it was an FCS team that lost to a D2 team. Thank later. you. That's what I was thinking. I was like, there's a D2 thing in here somewhere. Sorry. So they have one FCS win against the squad that lost to a D2 school. Sorry. Thank you for the correction, stat department. With that said, guys, Cal Poly's bad. Eastern might be bad. Realistically, we're projecting Eastern off of historically how they've been in the last 20 years. I just don't see Bo Baldwin being able to to beat Cal Poly uh, to beat Eastern this week. It's going to be a high scoring game, but I, I just don't see it. I, I don't think anybody really sees it. This is while Eastern might be team eight in the Big Sky, Cal Poly is probably no better than tenth, and there's a pretty steep drop off from eight to ten. So Eastern all the way in this one. Uh, again, the comment section completely agreeing. Um, Tom Kendall asking, does Bo Baldwin factor cause any Eastern? Oof, we're at that hour mark, I can tell. Tom Kendall asking, does Bo Baldwin factor cause Eastern any issues? He doesn't believe so. I don't think so either. I just don't think Cal Poly's... I don't, I don't know if Cal Poly's going to end up being any good with Bo Baldwin. It's tough to recruit there. It's tough to build things there. They haven't looked particularly good. They're slowly on the climb, but that's also climbing out of a dumpster fire. Yeah, They have individual facets that look better, specifically their pass game. But what Dallas is getting at is the areas that Cal Poly is weak. They're still very weak. The and de- defensively, it's they, their front seven looked okay in the first couple of weeks. But there were that was part of that first couple of weeks. There's always some teams who have parts that look okay, and it turns out that's not the case. Cal Poly can't stop anyone on the ground. They can't stop any team whatsoever through the air. So no, I I just I don't think there's much risk of it being close. I I want Cal Poly because of Bill Baldwin to be better, but they're not there. And there's still a long way to go for this to be a complete enough team to call. Okay. I got to hit this though, Dallas. And I need, need to throw it back to you. If Eastern's number seven, are you calling Portland state? Sorry. If Eastern's number eight in the conference, you said they might be the eighth, eighth worst, eighth best team in the conference. That means Portland state would be number seven in your mind. Who is this magic number seven? If it's not Eastern, it's Portland state. Actually. I just don't think Portland state's any good. They have two more games against Cal Poly and Northern Colorado. They, they are likely to pick up two more wins at the end of the season. You're talking about finishing record-wise. As yes, eight. sorry. Understand yes, that. that is, yes. No, I'm not saying quality-wise they're ass, but their schedule lines up. They play Eastern. It's in Cheney, but Eastern's not particularly good. They, Depending on how that game goes, realistically, they've got Northern Colorado and Cal Poly. They, they should end up with two more conference wins. Well, Martin's not, Martin's not fading at all. Maybe we should bring him in for adjudicating uh, Eastern. Are they number eight or number seven? Martin shakes his head no. I, I don't know. There you have it, guys. I guess we'll find out. Well, that does it for tonight's episode of Tubs at the Club. If you like what we're doing, if you hate what we're doing, if you don't care about what we're doing, please go to patreon.com backslash Tubs at the Club. Sign up. Give us money to do this. If you like us, hate us, don't care for us, just financially support us in some way that's all i ask uh realistically though thank you to our patreons uh for joining in if you want to hang out with us and talk during games we have game threads going on i think that's kind of our 
our big winner right now on our hashtag only tubs discord uh brian we've got some sweet king spud stickers i do not want to talk about veggies so don't you even fucking try it do not want to talk about it while we're having a good episode and thinking about good things so we will react to the portland state win again i'm calling it this is a win we will react to the win this weekend next week we will be back to talk about sacramento state a team that's actually a little bit more fun to talk about and i wasn't going to make bring it up dallas right now they're not newsworthy to talk about right now so yeah we're until they're newsworthy we're not sacrificing any football seconds but another way to support us guys hammer the subscribe button on when we get up to a thousand youtube subscribers youtube has to pay us and to just to talk about the patreon thing we added five new patrons after the montana win uh we appreciate every one of those but like people are getting stoked about having more vandal stuff josh grissom we're, we're expanding what we're doing with josh grissom coming on the team and doing some more written work they're going to be columns after the game so it's not uh not like reporting exactly it's some of the kind of content our listeners have said they would like is just more vandal stuff more interpretive stuff uh to get them through the week a lot of people are having a bigger vandal content fix because of the season being fun for once which side note i i was talking some to some montana media dudes i they they thought it was hysterical i brought up i haven't been on on tubs of the club this is the first sports season basketball or football that has just been fun and it's been a revel it's been a revelation to me because I had for I, I had internalized that covering your team isn't a fun process. It's dealing with pain and frustrations and just not not getting up for games, watching your team ironically. Yeah, it turns out some people just watch sports because it's fun, and we finally get to do that. With that, go vandals. Go vandals. Less than till we still veggies. That's an unbelievable fuck up. We're gonna man, two minutes of muted talk. We're gonna we're gonna start oh man, we're just gonna start that over. Good lord. This is producer Brian doing a terrible job of even finding what we're gonna play us out with. So I'm just going we're just gonna call it good. See you guys Tuesday.